Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to the second of our Hawks Insiders Summer Special. Hope you enjoyed the first one about players to watch and want to get excited about in 2023. We are back with an entirely new group of people doing this one. They are three of our regulars. Good to have them back here. Say hello first to Andrew Weiss. G'day, Ash. G'day, guys. Uh, very upset to have missed the first one, but it was a great listen. So very excited to be part of tonight's recording. And uh, Simon Morowitz, back from holiday. Hadn't been on for a while. Morrow, good to have you. Yes, I've crawled out of the bunker. Um, we've, been, we've been well well bunkered down with the, the new baby um, in the last couple of months. But, yeah, starting to poke my head up and, and say um, hello. Good to have you with us. And Brad Klebanski, hello. Good evening, guys. Looking forward to this one. Bring back some lovely memories. Uh, good uh, memories to be shared as we record this. Uh, I think we'll be excited. Brad, um, that uh, John Newcomb, the news just dropped uh, as we record this. John Newcomb has signed for another three seasons, so that makes everybody very chipper and excited. And I'm sure we'll talk about that on our first space in February as we recap all the news that's gone around. Not quite worthy of an emergency space, I don't think, but uh, something that we're all uh, as, as forecast. But uh, Good news all the same. So as I said, two-part one here. We're talking firstly about origin stories and then everyone's first ever Hawthorne game. Well, three of us remember our first Hawthorne game. One is a bit vague, but we'll get to that. But I'm going to start with you, Weesey. Uh, you are of the four of us, and I think I'm going to throw uh, Danny and uh, Darren to the mix as well. I think you leave us off a dead with your, your Hawthorne passion. So where does it come from? Well, it's... It's funny. I, thank you. I, that that's quite the compliment, um, and even true. more so, even more so when I um, when I mention the origin. I, th- I think we've leaked it a couple of times over the years, Ash. Whether it's been on, it might have been on one of the Golden Years pod. We uh, we leaked the news that I actually grew up in my very early years as an Essendon supporter. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Delete, delete. Basically, um, my brother was a big Essendon supporter. My parents didn't really follow footy. Brother, a big Essendon supporter. And as a younger brother, um, everything your older brother does is just the absolute gospel. So um, as a very young kid, grew up barracking for Essendon. But I also... still an Essendon supporter now? Sorry? Is he still back for Essendon now? He is uh, an Essendon supporter. Um, fair yeah. weather, but uh, still. Is his passion, how's his passion compared to yours? If you're a 10, what's he? Well, I've kept, I'm a 30-year consecutive member and he's just got him and his son memberships, um, re-purchased re, re, um, AFL memberships about three or four years ago after about a 10-year hiatus. So he's probably around uh, five or six um, but so yeah, look, uh, everything he did, I absolutely idolized other than the fact that he actually used to beat the crap out of me all the time. And I mean, seriously beating the crap out of me. So, um, he actually always used to do it at a very good friend's house. Um, Michael Sion and, and I know Michael listens to, to us. So shout out to him actually after, the grand finals, uh, especially after the three P, 
he copped quite a lot of messages from me thanking him, thanking him, thanking him. But we always used to fight at his place and he always used to give me this energy, this secret energy, this secret power. My brother would smash the crap out of me. I'd be bawling my eyes out. He'd give me this energy to fight back and get the crap smacked out of me again. Anyway, long story short, he basically, massive Hawthorne supporter, started taking me to matches circa 87, 88, started taking me to footy matches. And um, as all of you know, um, in the parenting handbook, the earlier you take your child to a game that is of your team, the earlier it is ingrained in them that that is their team. That's what happened. Started going to Hawthorne matches. uh, And like I said, I'm constantly constantly just messaging him to say thanks. So that's that's my origin story. Remember the exact moment when you decided I'm no longer Essendon, I'm Hawthorne? I don't. I don't remember the specific moment, but I know it's connected to coming back from having been at games with them and not with my brother. So Uri, his dad, used to take him all the time as well. Um, so I used to get lifts with them, go to the footy, um, and that that changes everything when you're there supporting a team. So, yeah. That's good, Jerry. By the way, thank you very much for that because I'm going to jump on that. I have a four-year-old as well, and we were watching round one last year, Hawthorne North Melbourne, and the commentator called Thomas, like Tyron Thomas, and my boy loves trains and everything about them. And he's a huge Thomas fan. And his ears per- perked up. He, wa- he wasn't really paying attention to the game, but the guy said, Thomas. And he's like, Thomas, which one's Thomas? And I'm like panicking here. I'm like, I, he's talking about Tom Mitchell. Trust me. So, uh, I, I nearly lost him to North Melbourne just on that. So, uh, all right, I'm going to get on it. Uh, so is your brother, um, did your brother turn on you when you had the courage to say to one day, by the way, I break for Hawthorne? Uh, he didn't, and I mean, it, if we're talking about my earliest, uh, are we getting into the earliest memory stuff, or are we going to get to that? Uh, are we going to get to that in the second part, Ash? Because it probably flows in yeah. where my my earliest actual recollection of attendance from a Hawthorne point of view. Uh, we'll get to that. Right? No, we're, get, we're going to get the earliest. We'll get all right, to that first well, all right. Well, let's move to you, uh, Simon, because uh, you've also got a sibling who backs for another club, so. Uh, to the best of my knowledge. So talk us through how you ended up following the the Hawthorne Football Club. Well, I started off actually following um, the Swans, uh, following my dad. And when I was about seven, they lost 34 games out of 35. It was that just awful period for Sydney. Gary Bacanara era. I remember the one that they won in that, time and it wasn't like a narrow win they just belted Melbourne I couldn't believe yeah. it um but yeah 34 losses over two seasons with one win and seven-year-old me said that's enough so I put uh I wanted to change I wanted to jump and my brother made it clear that you were only allowed to do this once and I said sure let's just do it I, I want out of Sydney and I want nothing to do with it so he put all the teams in a hat except, and this is where your point comes in, except Geelong, because that's his team. It was like his patch. It was the exact opposite for you, Weezy. He wouldn't let me follow them. I don't know why, because I was like, my cousins came from Israel. 
um, a couple of years later. And he and my other cousin were like, like trying to get him on to their team, which is really confusing for me because I wasn't allowed to go for Geelong at the time. And it was between Geelong and Essendon for that cousin. And let's just say he chose wrong. Because if you're going to pick between the lesser of two evils, you might as well always pick the evil that wins every now and then. But yeah, my, my brother goes for Geelong. My dad goes for Sydney and I go for Hawthorne. So between us for the last 15 years, it's been pretty sweet. But yeah, um, my brother put all the teams in a hat and I removed them one by one. And I remember removing Sydney from the hat as one of my earliest memories, being really, really happy that I just, all right, Sydney's gone, let's move it down. And it, it came down to two. Um, and I was a 50-50 hit away from being a Collingwood fan. And Lady Luck smiled on me that day and, and took Collingwood out of the hat and I was left with Hawthorne. And on such humble and flimsy beginnings became a lifelong uh, passion and wouldn't be here today had it gone the other way. Well, well done to Lady Luck or whoever it is that uh, upstairs uh, decided that fate would make you a Hawthorne supporter. Brad, you've talked about it before, but uh, I think on one of our spaces, but uh, yours is quite, uh, there's quite a few people I know in, in your basket who, uh, who who go for Hawthorne for, for a certain, and can think a certain person. Yeah, Weesey's probably got mates as well who he went to school with. We came from South Africa in 1988, which, you know, was obviously the first year of our back-to-back. I think the year we smashed Melbourne before we played Geelong in that classic. And my school principal, Jenny Wright, was her name. I went to a very uh, small school that only went up to grade two at the time. Uh, I was probably in upper kinder when I first came here, but she was the school principal and she there was a few of us from uh, South Africa, me and probably three of my close mates back then. And she basically said to us, you can't come to school unless you go for Hawthorne. And I had no idea what Hawthorne was or what footy was. But um, we basically all just said, yep, that's what we'll do. So we all went for Hawthorne. You know, we were only four, four years old at the time. So we had no idea what she was talking about. But, you know, fast forward a couple more years, my my dad, from the first time he saw footy, absolutely loved it. You know, he was obviously a massive soccer fan. He was a Liverpool supporter, as a lot of South African people are. But the moment he saw footy, uh, he was at a game basically less than a year after coming to the country. And what we'll touch on, you know, my first game was as a six-year-old. Uh, so, yeah, thank you to Jenny Wright, school principal. Uh, for, you know, making me go for Hawthorne. And I was obviously, you know, during such such a successful period, although I was quite young, I do remember watching 91. But unfortunately, after 91, there were many grim seasons before I could really enjoy it, you know, uh, next flag in 2008. But it made, you know, the journey worthwhile um, because, you know, I've got to go, which we'll talk about, you know, to Waverley and Princess Park, to watch footy in, at those grounds. Um, and the first game I went to, which we'll touch on that Hawthorne team on paper, is, you know, Ash, you've seen some pretty good Hawthorne teams, but our 91 team, I don't think it's probably as strong as 88 and 89, but looking at the names, I can't believe how good it is. It's a, a, a mighty team. Um, we see some of your mates, same, a couple of your friends, I think, uh, from South African families, are they Hawthorne supporters for the same reason? 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I'm not sure if it's specifically because of her, but um, a number of other South African families that were either already Hawthorne supporters or they all knew each other. So absolutely same boat. Yeah, I think it was. We all sort of, there was a massive amount of South African families that came probably between, I'd say, 87 and the early 90s. And they all knew each other, you know, from back in uh, South Africa or they knew each other through all the other families. And it was like when you came to Australia, you couldn't be part of the community here unless you, A, liked footy and B, followed a team. So, you know, I guess when we all, when the families all met and came together, the first question was, who do you go for? Hawthorne. So they sort of had no choice. And that's how, you know, there's so many of us that ended up going for Hawthorne. How about you, Ash? So I, I descend from Hawthorne royalty and that my uncle Morton was a member of the 61 Premiership team and they were Melbourne supporters. And my father played some reserves footy for Hawthorne as well. Uh, Never played, never played a senior game. So that, Hawthorne was always the, the club. However, and my dirty little secret was I actually first back for Carlton, uh, just as because I went to a school where there were no Hawthorne supporters, and I was uh, close to my cousins who were all Carlton supporters. So I do have a very vague memory of having the 1970 Weg poster of uh, in my room after Carlton won the premiership in 1970. But some stage during 1971, I, my father just sort of read, didn't read the Riot Act, but sort of more or less said, you are Hawthorne. And that was, you know, sons that never want to disappoint their father. So by the time of the 1971 grand final, I was, uh, I was a rusted on Hawthorne supporter. So hang on a second, hang on a second, Ash, hang on. I've just got to. I've I've just got to, I'm, I'm, I feel like either my internet connection dropped out <laughs> or um, someone screamed something from the other room. Number one, did you just say that you were a Carlton supporter? And number two, could that be why your hatred of more than any of the, for any other club is for Carlton that perhaps it's now, you know, n- now maybe we can see perhaps it's connected to making sure that they don't win as much as Hawthorne to make sure that you, in your own mind, made the right decision, the right life choice. Is that what this is all about? Oh, no. Well, I love my mum and she was a Carlton supporter, but, you know, when it comes to matters of sport, I think my father actually sort of, the first time I sort of comprehended there was actually a family tradition behind barracking for Hawthorne. So after that, I, I was fine and... um I, you know, I basked in the glory of the 71 premiership team and my father through work, you know, got an advanced copy of the Herald cover, colour wraparound on the Monday after the 71 grand final. I took to school and my friends were amazed. I said, this is what the Herald's going to look like when you come home from school today because I had an advanced copy through, through my father and his work. So, no, I was, uh, once I was on board, I was majorly on board and I have recollections of listening to the first game of 1972 when I was not even seven. Hawthorne Melbourne, Peter Hutton rolling his knee and then end up being and being devastated at Hutto's knee. So by didn't take long. I was wasn't even seven and I was full on Hawthorne. But if we're being honest here and the honesty pills, uh, there was a fleeting few months when I was a Carlton supporter. But uh, thankfully, I uh, thankfully that didn't last long. 
I know what you mean, we said I've definitely kept tabs with how many we've won and how many Sydney's won since I made the switch. So just make sure that we're in front of it as, you know, if if there was one good thing about Geelong winning it this year, so they, they kept Sydney down in that tally. But uh, Ash, by the way, I think you've just opened up a good idea for another one of these podcasts, which is like Hawthorne Confessions. That'd be good. Well, uh, we, we've got a whole lot of summer specials to come, so that might well be the next one. Okay, now to the second part of this is, your first Hawthorne game you can remember, uh, Morrick. So, uh, you, oh, so, we, so, you, so you don't really, you don't actually remember the first time you went to the football as a Hawthorne supporter? Not as a Hawthorne supporter. I remember watching the 89 grand final, but I mean, my earliest clear memory of the connection to the footy club. <laughs> Um, we had a whole host of family friends over to watch the 1991 grand final. Lucky enough to, back in the day, have had a projector screen. So um, we had a big party at our house. And when we were there, one of the family friends um, suggested that he would be heading to Glen Ferry over the next day as part of the celebrations and that he'd be more than happy to take me with him. Um, so they were back in the days. I don't know if you were there, Ash, um, the day after at Glen Ferry, but we're not talking 100,000 people next day, family day, like you, you've had for the last sort of 20 years in terms of flags. There would have been, I don't know, no more than maybe 3,000 people at Glen Ferry Oval. I distinctively remember being in the car park, you were part of maybe five or six people deep as players got out of their car. I had every single player's signature in the middle section of the record that was all of the players' um, headshots, the double-page spread. Unfortunately, I stuck that up with blue tack on my wall and a few years later it had done, done its dash, but literally had the opportunity to get every player's signatures as they presented the cup in the top of the stand, um, I, I, I can't even remember it being that deep back onto the oval. Like we were on the bitumen at the front of the stand. Like that's how few people there were there. The people were so blasé after so many premierships in a row. It was like, oh, no, 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 cup. What's that? It's just a different. Six, just eight, a, was that five and eight years? I can't be asked going today. Well, it was probably also reflective of the percentage of members that we had too, right, back then because there weren't actually, I don't know, what was our membership base in, in the 12, early 90s, about 14,000 or 15? 12, 12 or 13,000. I'll look up, I'll yeah. look up Susan. I'll keep talking. I'll give you the figure. Yeah, so small numbers. But so that is something that I distinctively remember and um I also remember that family friend who took me, their son, who is a couple of years older than me um, and was a Hawthorne supporter, actually changed. Uh, I remember his room with all the Hawthorne posters and everything over it. He actually changed later in life to become an Essendon supporter. He's yeah. one of those guys that at about 26 or 27 turned around and said, Actually, it's Essendon that I've really wanted to go for my whole life and made the swap. And um, whilst it's, uh, some people would say it's hypocritical saying it, having barracked for Essendon in the early years. And Murray, you mentioned the one change 
policy, I think there's also an age limit that exists yes. for being able to do that. And I've been disgusted, disgusted with him ever since. Single digits. 10,006 members for Hawthorne in 1991. I, uh, I was there at that thing. I actually was fortunate enough to get into the, uh, the dr- downstairs drinks and somewhere in my dusty box somewhere I have a photo of me in the Premiership Cup from 1991 taken in the uh, bowels of Glenferry Oval the following day. So I hadn't thought about that for a long time, but I don't remember I actually was there. So... All right, so you you strike you strike a, a, the donuts for you with your first game. Um, Mara, tell me about your first. Uh, tell us about your first Hawthorne game. And I've um, got the stats, the AFL tables. I've got all the details. Yeah, I don't remember too much about it to be honest. Um, I remember it was a Waverley with where, where you're sitting in the front row, and you can't quite see the full fold in front of you because it's just too far away. Um, I remember Hawthorne was junk. So Brad, you're lucky that you got that 91 in at the start. Mm. Squeezed in a premiership. I started in about 94, 95 and and didn't and all the all the people who are older than me could, you know, find it very trite when a Hawthorne fan complains about not having seen a premiership. But I did I didn't see one until 2008. Um the first game was in 95 when we finished second last ahead of only Fitzroy, I think. And uh we were pretty bad. West Coast was pretty good. We played them at Waverley and we got done by about seven goals. And I remember my memory of that game is walking away being pretty happy that we kept them under 100 points which also by the way is a sign of the times because like if you concede 97 points now it's like a bad game um and you you know your defense needs a bit of work but uh back then to keep you know finals bound team under 100 was a pretty good effort so it was round uh it was round 14 1995 Hawthorne 8856 West Coast 1413 you're about to tell me that you were there. I don't think I was. Um, I don't think I was. That was the year my daughter was born. So if I, I don't think I'm pretty sure I wasn't at that game. But um, I wasn't working both days in the weekend. I, I suspect I was probably working on the Sunday of that game. Actually, no. I'll tell you why I wasn't overseas. I was overseas. I was actually covering the. Uh, I was actually covering the British Open golf uh, in 1995. I missed about about eight weeks of that season, and I went overseas with my wife and then a very young daughter and we stayed with her sister my wife's sister in the UK for a couple of weeks and then I went off to Scotland to cover the Scottish Open and the British Open at St Andrews John Daly won in a playoff for those of you keeping score so uh, I missed a lot of that rubbish season but uh, looking through the Hawthorne team it's understandable some of the luminaries playing for Hawthorne that day were Paul Barnard Randall Bone Tim Hargraves, um, Simon Mitten-Connell, Alex McDonald, um, Jason Taylor, Richard Taylor. So there were some, you know, some foot soldiers is a, a generous word for them, I think, of the football club. There's a few ageing stars in there. I mean, it's still a team that had um, Andrew Collins towards the end of his career, Paul Deere towards the end of his career, the young Daniel Harford in his first season. Paul Hudson was still running around. He had three kicks today. Uh, Hearts and Tony to a dollar. Darren Jarman's last season, Hawthorne, he was about in 95, I think, Simon. But the only reason to go watch a football was the, the hope of Simon, of um, Darren Jarman spinning out of a pack and shoving the ball down the throat of uh, Jason Dunstan. There wasn't a whole lot else to recommend it that season. There's one, name there that, one name that we're going to be hearing a bit of 
um, in the next year, Stephen Lawrence, right? Well, we uh, well, we hope so. We're taking some this year with the father-son, but Lawrence played as well. So a few ageing premiership heroes in there again towards the end. It was the year that Hawthorne lost their last eight games of the season, I think. Might be the way. It was sort of they had that infamous game in Brisbane where Peter and I took him into the shade at three-quarter time. And they were overrun in the last quarter on a hot day at the Gabba. And I think that got suffered out of them. And pretty much that was curtains for the season. Um, looking at the details, Minton Connell kicked two. Oh, Jason Dunstan didn't play that game. Never quite, quite understand how Hawthorne made a big side of dance about recruiting some Minton Connell and then had no clue as to how to play him in the same forward line as the great Jason Dunstan. So he didn't last all that long. I think he ended up going to the... Uh, the Bulldogs. Bulldog. He, he came from he started Carlton, went to Sydney, went to Hawthorne, and went to Bulldogs. He was Paul Hudson's cousin. I reckon a couple of years ago, uh, I was chatting with a lady and turned out that she was Simon McConnell's sister. And you reckon I'm starstruck when I'm speaking to a Hawthorne or ex Hawthorne footballer. You should see what I'm like when talking with members of their family. So I was a little bit gaga, and she was like, just calm down. He didn't have such a great career at Hawthorne. <laughs> no, he was a, it was a Ford recruiting. Uh, not, all, not a lot of players wanted to come to Hawthorne in the mid-90s, so they could take whoever they could get. When Minton Connell City was going to come, the club moved. Heaven and to get him, but it was a bit of a, a waste of time. So He kicked a few goals. He kicked a few goals. He only had, like, the one decent season, right, in his couple of years, but he must have kicked. He must have kicked 30, I don't know. He kicked a few goals that year, 95. Uh, in 95, he kicked uh, he 31 goals in 95. And he kicked two in 1996. So, not yeah. so bad. They're not such <laughs> memories not the of most, Simon McDonald. Not the most distinguished player. Let's talk about your first game, Brad. I think it's a better game to talk about. Yeah. 91 round three Hawthorne Richmond at Waverley Park I don't remember much about the game but what I do remember is Dunstall kicked six goals that game and I remember I used to love going to Waverley Park and I know we spoke about it today in our group I remember that Hawthorne team you know you had Jarman and Pritchard uh, kicking the ball out of the midfield those spearing 40 meter bullet passes to Dunstall on the chest he used to always mark the ball, I'm sure uh, you guys know, 45 metres out on a 45-degree angle and would nail it every time. And when I think back to Waverley Park days, that's just what I remember. It was wet, windy and cold. I don't think that day it was. I don't uh, remember the weather. But that that Hawthorne team, when you look at the names, Dunstall, Hudson kicked five, Jarman kicked four. Must have played as a small four because he only had 12 touches that day. Darren Pritchard kicked a couple of goals. Dean Anderson, unfortunately, you know, and he played, was it the 78 games for us? His son Noah could have been a Hawthorne player. Tony Hall was a very good player. I think he was here centre half forward. Ash ended up at Adelaide. Yeah, small forward, sort of small, a small chart forward, more of a third forward, really, sort of yeah. a, a Jack Gunson type, if you're looking at Yeah, the and then Benny Allen, obviously. 98 was it what, 98 games, um, and then you look at some of the defenders: Ray Jenke, Michael Tuck, Gary Ayres. Well, I run through the team. So according to AFL tables, it was the team was Ben Allen, Dean Anderson, Gary Ayres, Andrew Collins, Anthony Condon, Paul Deere, Jason Dunstall, Andrew Gowers, Tony Hall, Paul Hudson, Darren Jarman, Ray Jenke, Chris Langford, 
Stephen Lawrence, Alex McDonald, James Morrissey, John Clatton, Darren Pritchard, Michael Tuck, Chris Whitman. Well, they all premiered there. Either all were by then or would be by the end of the season. They'd be premiership players. Yeah, it's, and so when you look... Fantastic um, team. It's interesting looking back at the game there. You know, that's obviously now over 30 years ago. When you look at the stats in that game, Hawthorne for the match won the tackle count. They had 28 tackles for the game. Richmond had 11 total tackles for the entire game. So there was two, four, six, seven, seven of their team uh, laid a tackle. The rest didn't. And you look now, you know, if the team doesn't have, you know, say 50 plus tackles, they get smashed in the media for not going hard enough or not trying. The Richmond team wasn't great. I don't know how Richmond went in 91, but, you know, they had Matthew Knight, Brendan Gale, David Cloak, Suey Maxfield played that game. Um, Ash, you'd probably know more of the play. Scott Turner was a I'll good leave it. Anthony Bannock, Brendan Bauer, David Cloak, Matthew Francis, Brendan Gale, Jeff Hogg, Terry Keyes, Matthew Knight, Craig Lambert, Brian Lees, Stuart Maxfield, Todd Menegola, Michael Mitchell, Chris Nash, Trent Nichols, Justin Pickering, Stephen Ryan, Craig Smith, Scott Turner, and Dale Waitman. So, you, you know what I, I really like looking at these stats when we get to the you know the the classic maligned players um, special pod that we do. Um, in this team, it would potentially have been Paul Hudson who on that day had 24 touches, kicked yeah. five, goal, five goals four and got the three Brownlow votes. So a fair day out. Well, Hudson, yeah. these early first two or three years of all, well, actually 91 was his breakout year because 90 he played, man, uh, 90 he broke into the team. 91 he, he was, was his breakout season. He was a fantastic player. That forward line was quite incredible. Alan, sorry, uh, Dunstall, um ja, um Hudson Jarman. Yeah, Brevin Dermot didn't play in this game. But he uh, Yeah, Jeremy didn't play. So who was Ash when you look back to the team that won the flag that year against West Coast, who did Dermot come in for? Did Alex McDonald play Alex McDonald didn't play in that ninety one grand final, did he? Yeah, so McDonald didn't play in the grand final. So he's the one player he, McDonald would dropped out from that team. And that was probably there only one. I think that's the only chance. Yeah, yeah, so, the rest of them played in the premiership. Uh, actually, I'm not sure about Chris Whitman, whether he played in yeah. 91 either. Uh, he probably didn't play in 91. He played 88, 89, I think. Stand corrected. But a pretty powerful um, a pretty powerful team. So, um, yeah, they had, had their way with Richard. That was a funny season. Hawthorne started a bit slowly in 91, but they sort of found their groove in the second half of the season. And they went over and had that... Uh, Game against West Coast late in the season, they didn't win, but they came away thinking, well, we, we can beat them if we play them again, which they did twice more. Uh, no Whitman confirmed. So he was definitely another change in that. In right, that. So the two players, two players came into that yeah, into the grand final team from that one. Um, yeah, I can't remember who they were, but uh, one would be Brereton. So that was a very, very powerful team. That was a Round three game at Waverley. There was uh, umpires of Grant Vernon and Shane Harris. There were 25,960 people there. That was Kevin Barton. Chris Mew was the other one. Chris Mew, right. Um, so, well, pretty, two pretty handy ins, Chris Mew and Derby. Mew and Brereton. For coming to that team. Um, they, 
they freshened up. Joyce was back as a perfect coach. He freshened up the team. Guys like Lawrence, um, Ray Jenke, um, were uh, yeah two players that he that he brought in to the side to freshen up a bit. That he thought uh, Gow was another one who'd been struggling a bit under the last years of Alan Jeans came in and, and played good. Work. Paul Deere as well uh, became sort of premiership players in that season. That was Kevin Bartlett's last year as coach of Richmond. Uh, not surprisingly, he moved on up for he's never got over it. Uh, but they were a pretty terrible team. Of course, Alan Jeans took over as coach of Richmond in 92 for one season with Peter Schwab as his assistant coach and Richard Loveridge as a runner just to add to the, uh, to the Hawthorne element going on there. So, Brad, a, a lifelong obsession began that day. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll uh, mention, I'm not sure, Simon was probably a bit young. I'm sure he went to a few games at uh, Waverley Park, but we were talking today, just driving there on a Saturday, windy and cold. Your car used to get bogged down in the grass getting your membership card clipped at the gate, um, you know, sitting with the Hawthorne fans there, the uh, VFL Waverley Park scoreboard, where you used to look at the scores in the other games, Ash, and uh, you confirmed that today they had, I don't know why, but the letters linked back to, was it the games or the teams that were playing at that time? You Maybe the grounds, at- like A and B was always Waverley. Um, yeah. C and D was always Princess Park, and by then there were games at Princess Park everywhere because Fitzroy were playing there as well. Uh, yeah, D and H was always the MCG. It's because the people who put out the record have always been crooked, and they just wanted to make sure you caught. If <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> wanted to know scores from the other game, yeah, they really had progressive scores as well. So you know, other grounds just put up the end of every quarter, but at Waverley you get progressive scores. Yeah, the wooden benches and the. Uh, metal fences behind, you know, it was just real old school style. But, you know, back then going there as a kid, you know, used to have uh, the radio back then was the Rex Hunt days, you know, used to, Rex used to always call the games there, you know, when he was on 3RW with Sam uh, Newman and those types. Um, uh, Yeah, just Waverley to me is what footy, you know, when footy was its best. Uh, those are disgusting hot dogs at Waverley as well. My yeah, friend, the underground. Yeah, my friend Darren used to watch eat two or three yeah. games. I, I couldn't look at them. They were foul. Oh. They, I don't know what they use in those pale pink hot dogs. They were disgusting. The other thing no. I uh, yeah, good hot chips. Yeah. Other thing I loved about Waverley. So, I mean, we used to watch the reserves play. And at the AFL members at that entry, that is where the players used to come in. And they almost to a T would rock up at halftime in the reserves game. Yeah, so they'd run you up watch the race however much You watch yeah. however much of the first uh, first half of the reserves game, go out the front of the venue and get their autographs as they were walking in and say g'day and yeah. in their suits walking into the ground at halftime. So... That was always good from a connection point of view as well. Can I carry your bag, Mr. Tuck? <laughs> My first game was uh, obviously a lot before you, got, you gentlemen. So it was actually 1972. It was at Glen Ferry Oval. It was against, of all teams, Carlton. Um, it's the other team of my childhood, Andrew. Um, <laughs> Who did you barrack for that day? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what the story was. So... My father played golf every Saturday. It was his thing. So he, he didn't take me to the games. But my uncle 
was a Carlton supporter and my cousin Mandy was a Carlton supporter. She was in the cheer squad. Um, so they were going to the game anyway. So my uncle said, I'll, I'll take you to Glenferry Oval to, to watch Hawthorne play uh, Carlton. So I, I have you know, memories of parking somewhere in the back streets of Hawthorne and walking along Glenferry Road, just this absolute crush of people Head, all heading towards the game. You make a left-hand turn at what is... It's a street before Linda Crescent, um, where the swimming pool is now, and going through there and then just going through the gate. And and those days, I mean, you wouldn't know it now if you go to Grand Fair because there's like a big community centre behind one of the goals, but it used to be a big hill, but, you know, your standard hill AFL outer. And, of course, the way you used to go to football's tribal in those days, the... Hawthorne supporters were at the other end of the ground in the grandstands and the, all the Carlton supporters were out on the other side in the outer. So I was mainly standing amongst Carlton supporters. But I just had this memory. And I knew my, I had two cousins. My cousins on my father's side were Hawthorne supporters. But I went to a small school as well, Brad. They only went up to grade two. And there were no other Hawthorne supporters. They were mainly Carlton St Kilda supporters. So I knew no other Hawthorne supporters other than my two cousins and my uncle and my father. So to walk into Glenferry Oval and sort of see all these people breaking for Hawthorne and the noise and the Hawthorne chant coming from what is now the Michael Tuck stand, because it's quite a small compact ground, so the sound will move around. And the, just remember, still to this day, the Hawthorne chant coming from the Michael Tuck stand. Well, you asked who I was breaking for, Weezy. I mean, I was a Hawthorne supporter walking in and with very little prospect of ever change, even though I watched a lot more St Kilda and Carlton games in my first few years of watching footy live than I did Hawthorne games. But once I saw the other Hawthorne supporters there and that noise coming from the Michael Tuck stand, I was like, was there, you're there for life. It was like, this, this is my tribe. This, these are the people I, I choose to choose to uh, lay arms with for, for the rest of my life. It was quite incredible, just uh, this feeling and this excitement of, of being at the game. And Hawthorne, it was a funny year for them. They were coming off the premiership, but they had no Hudson. So it was a year, it's been spoken about quite a lot, just how difficult it was. Hawthorne went through a string of about three or four different full forwards in the absence of Pete Hudson. But actually won the game uh, 11-22-88 to 13-7-85. So Carlton actually kicked two more goals than Hawthorne that day. But Hawthorne, uh, and Hawthorne used to be, a, my memory of Hawthorne in the mid-70s, they, they were a very inaccurate team. And they kicked 11-22 that day. Um, they actually, Carlton came back in the last quarter. It was 21 points in Hawthorne's favourite three-quarter time. They kicked seven behind in the last quarter. Carlton kicked 4-1. But Hawthorne hung on to win. Um, and, again, befitting a team that's struggling to work out how to play post-Hudson. They had multiple goalkeepers. Peter Crimmins kicked two. Lee Matthews kicked two. Michael Moncrief kicked two. Michael Porter kicked two. Um, and... The I've got the age I've got the age clippings from that day, which the age used to do a funny thing where they used to get uh, past the active players to write the match report. So Robert Walls for some reason did the match report from this game, and all he did for the whole match report was bitch and moan and complain about what a difficult ground it was to play on. How <laughs> the likes of Lee Matthews and Peter Knights know just where the boundaries are. Sounds and- like Wallsy. Yeah, Wolsey. I love Wolsey. He's a, he's a fantastic guy. No, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's good. But this is this is a bitching and moaning, complaining with that report about Hawthorne. Um, but I found another story from Ron Carter on the back page of the paper that uh, apparently Hawthorne went the tag. Ian Bremner played on to went on Alex Jeselenko. Uh, Robert Day, grandfather of Will, 
uh, went on, played on Sid Jackson. Norm Bussell, who got best on ground, Norm Bussell was a dirty, thuggish player. He went up against Brett Croswell, who was a star at the time for Carlton. And, uh, and, sort of, and from the very start, he knew that every move the three Carlton players made would be under, under pressure. Um, and Jackson didn't kick a goal. Jesse Lunch kind of struggled as a rucker over, but uh, he was put out of action by, uh, by Bremner. The win did nothing to improve Hawthorne's place in the ladder. They still remained in fifth place. Funny thing was Hawthorne played Carlton later in the year and kicked 11 goals, 22 again, but this time they lost at Princess Park to Carlton by about 16 goals. So um, it was, as I said, it was a difficult year. But that's my first game. And um, fortunate enough, I have said this before in the podcast, I went to three games at Glenferry Oval. So, but that was the only time I saw them win. I saw them lose to St Kilda in the last game of 72, which got them out of the finals. And I saw them lose to Melbourne in round two of 1973, last time I went to Glenferry Oval. So, Ash, obviously Brad's mentioned and, and certainly clearly Mora and myself can relate to growing up early Hawthorne fandom at Waverley. Obviously, you moved to Princess Park, but do you still get those feels when you go to Glen Ferry? Of... Oh, it's Glen Ferry is, you know, it's, I go there now. Actually, I had calls two or three years ago to be in the area with, with my son. We had some time to kill. So let's, let's go for a detour. We actually went up to Glen Ferry Oval and just walked around and took it all. And you can't go out, you can't go to the stand anymore. The stand's locked up because I think the road is going to fall over. Um, and the what is the Ferguson stand's been cut in half. And it's a very narrow ground. And that's what came on the podcast recently and said, oh, on the spaces that oh, at, at the AGM, someone said, why don't you, Hawthorne turn Glen Ferry into the AFLW hub? It's, it's not fit for purpose in any shape or form to host any type of football. I don't think they even play. I think Auskick is about the highest level of football they host there these days. But it's very spiritual. You go there and there's still the, the, sort of the, um, the Art Deco grandstand and there's still the lettering Hawthorne Football Club on what was the main entrance to the offices and to the, and to the hawk's nest that was there. The social club is no longer. That was a, that's now, I think, a medical centre, um, which is across the road. Um, but I'll send around a photo to you guys today. It was on the 70s, 80s Facebook, the footy Facebook page of people on their bikes leaned up against the fence looking over at Glen Ferry Oval. Um, but, yeah, so I went to three games at Glen Ferry Oval. It was a magic place. And as I said, if I had any questions about my Hawthorne fandom, once you go to game Glen Ferry Oval. And I never felt that same belonging at Princess Park, um, even though it was clearly Carlton's ground and Hawthorne just moved in. Even when they built the Hawthorne stand, you, you know, you're sitting at the ground with the Robert Heatley stand and the George Harris stand. You've never felt anything other than a tenant. Uh, you're just moving in for the day at Princess Park and the, the atmosphere for Hawthorne Games wasn't particularly, never really felt like home. Waverley a few times and I wasn't there, but the day your, your famous, most favourite game of all time, the 99 game must, was, must have really felt like a, Hawthorne, a magic Hawthorne day at Waverley. The last game in 72, of, of 99, Felt like a, a, a big Hawthorne game as well, but it never really felt. Even Waverley was, you know, it was okay, but it, it never really felt like home. And then even now with the MCC, I, mean, I think Tassie's probably the one place now that really truly feels like Hawthorne, the home team, don't you think? Yeah, I, I th- think possibly because of the record, uh, obviously followed up with the number of fans that we've got down there. I mean, 
I've been I've been to maybe five games in Tassie, and I mean, without wanting to alienate too many people, it's similar to going to Sydney games and listening to Sydney supporters um, cheer for their team. So uh, it's it's a little bit different. I, I don't think it would come anywhere close to what Glenferry would have been like, especially if, you know, I never went to Glenferry, but I did go to matches at the Witten Oval and at Victoria Park. So, you know, being there amongst the ferals in uh, in those settings and knowing that you're at someone else's home, I imagine that's what Glen Ferry was like. So Princess Park, Waverley, um, even the MCG uh, would pale in comparison in terms of, uh, and, and Tassie as well, pale in comparison to what I imagine Glen Ferry would have been like where you're coming into our nest. Yeah, it's interesting with, I think when, at Waverley when they, I can't remember the year, you guys probably remember the year, because I, I always sat in the AFL members the other side of the ground. Um, they had that, when they carved off the wing for the Hawthorne support and had the brown and gold seats on the wing and that was a lot of noise. That was clearly a, a Hawthorne sort of enclave at Waverley that probably helped a little bit, probably helped a few, they played in front of some, what, some pretty mediocre Hawthorne teams there, but that created a bit of atmosphere. The MCG, they've tried. I mean, certainly the way they've set up when Hawthorne, you know, had pretty much from the start of the AFL members all the way around to the MCC members in the bottom two decks when it's Hawthorne's the home team. And that's a strong Hawthorne area, but it's never full. So, again, I don't know. know. That's where you guys say, I don't know where you think that feels like a strong Hawthorne atmosphere at the MCG now when there's large parts of the ground that are Hawthorne people only. Well, at Waverley, the difficulty with it was always, it's like in in football, when you, when, when the, uh, as in the round ball game. Soccer. Uh, yes, soccer. When, um, when teams go to, uh, are travelling and go to away venues and after the game, they deliberately go to thank their fans at the end of the ground. It was very similar because, Yes, you'd have that on the brown and gold painted wing, but they'd always come to the AFL members to walk off where the change rooms are. And that coincided with where the coaches walked down. And and that is where, I mean, I'm lucky enough, having been an AFL member, every single Hawk walk that was done through the late 90s with them linking arms was walking to us in the AFL members. So, um yeah, that that's my recollection from an atmosphere point of view. Yeah, so it's I mean that's the problem for you these days. It's all very sterile and very few clubs, you know, create. Richmond have done a pretty good job. I think the MCG for some reason Richmond when they're the home team, the MCG have got a pretty feral atmosphere. Don't you think, Simon? Um, I, what was the last time I went to a footy? Yeah, Collingwood do it pretty well as well. Port obviously have the never tear us apart that they play at the start of yeah. their games. Um, but, you know, the Richmond and Collingwood here, you'd have to say they've got the two, I would say, most passionate supporter bases in for the Victorian clubs. That was when, when Collingwood was big in 2010, they had an extra player. Yeah, I mean, it was massive. It, it, even just a, a standard tackle, when you've got a, literally a quarter of the MCG just 
screaming ball. Like it was quite yeah. intense. I was like, man, I would pay that <laughs> just to shut up, just, just to keep him happy. Um, and that, that was quite an, an impactful crowd. Um, as far as home crowds at the MCG, that's as, that's as good as I've seen. I reckon this year they had that Collingwood as they started to get going. Oh, actually, for some reason, now that I watched the last two minutes of the Carlton Collingwood game from around 23. Yeah, that wave. The other day. Like, that, it, it was a particularly Carlton's home game, but the noise was incredible. Yeah, the ground should, would have been, felt like the ground would have would have been shaking. It was incredible. So, uh, Mine, well, it'll come back the, to Hawthorne if they can start winning. Uh, the, I think the, the, the um, was it seventeen the Richmond GWS prelim at the MCG yeah. that uh, yeah, to Richmond yeah. sing the song after that, and I was on the top level of the Southern, right on the wing, and the place was shaking like that, that the actual stand was shaking and that atmosphere as they were singing that song was as good as any other atmosphere for a non-Hawthorne game that I've been to. That would have been like a, a Premier League game, I imagine, just in terms of that'd be like Liverpool playing, I don't know, Bournemouth or something in terms of... Uh, <laughs> In terms of crowd, oh, you're the soccer. You guys are the soccer experts, but I would have thought that was what that would have been like. So, so that has been our summer special. A few memories. Hope uh, we'd love to hear yours. If you've got a, me- a memory of your Hawthorne fandom, an origin story, or share it with us, send us a note through the Substack uh, at Hawks Insiders. Would be happily if you write a few words, we will happily publish them as uh, on the Substack over the next few weeks as we go through the down period. Um, keep checking back for more um, summer specials. We've got a few more that we're going to record over the next little while to keep you entertained up through most of uh, January until we're back in business uh, as the new season approaches. So, Simon, thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Brad, well done to you. Thanks, guys. Been great. We see. Been- thank you. But in particular, thanks to your friend who got you back for Hawthorne because otherwise you'd be You'd be doing Essendon Insiders as we speak now. You'd be talking about, I don't know, what would you be talking about if you're doing Essendon Insiders? Uh, it would probably be all about, you know, Adrian Dodoro and just what a god he is. <laughs> a long stand by CEO is <laughs> Hashtag stand by And her. all of the trophies that he's won along the way. Stand by her, that's right. Thanks everyone for listening to Hawks Insiders. Thank you for support. $5 a month, $50 a year for best digital Hawthorne content going around. Uh, enjoy your off-season, have a happy new year, and we will talk to you again next time. Thanks and goodbye.